Hey, friends, Pastor Buddy Chapman, thanks for tuning in. Today, you got a real special blessing for you. Angela Costello is going to be bringing the word. Tune in, pass it on. We'll see you soon. I, I love being able to do this. It's, it's one of the greatest pleasures that I have in life is to share how much I love Jesus, how much I realize he loves me, and how much when those get together, I can't help but tell somebody else about it because it isn't something you want to be selfish with. There's enough for everybody. You know, and, and so anyway, today as I was praying last night, I had asked for some weird props and things from Tanya and them, and then, of course, the Lord changes the plan which I appreciate because I feel like then maybe I'm listening and maybe there's something special for someone here that came today that needs to hear it. And so I'm excited to see what God has to share today. But the message I felt like the Lord wanted me to, to focus on today was, what do you seek? What is it that you're seeking? You know, when you think about seek, when, when you look it up in the old Webster, it's going to tell you you actively pursue it. What are you actively pursuing? When you just take a minute to do your own personal inventory, you take a minute to just think about the desires of your heart, what are the things you actively pursue? Now, those are, there are things we think about, there's things we hope for, but there are things that we actively pursue. Like yesterday, after we, we went bowling, which was comical, and, uh, and, you know, and I have to just, I'm going to just throw you under the bus, John. He had to pull out the little green dinosaur so he could roll it down there, you know. <laughs> But we've decided maybe next time we'll pay a little extra for the bumpers. Amen. All right, so uh, <clears throat> we'll play the angles a little better. Less gutter, more angle. All right, but anyway, after we were done, uh, Nicholas is always, my son is always on a, he's a Hot Wheel collector, right? And I'm talking serious Hot Wheel collector. He knows all the ins and outs, the red line, the this or that, things that, I'm a girl, okay? I have no clue, and I, I hate to tell you, honey, and he knows, I don't have any interest, but I will endure, because I do not understand truck talk, diesel talk, filter talk, car talk, but I do appreciate, he said, what do girls look for in cars, and I always tell him, you know, we're looking for clean and paid for, right, <laughs> and then when you get a little older, it increases a little bit, you go from clean, paid for, big enough for a child, and then something happens, clean, paid for, speedy, I don't know, that's where I'm at right now, <laughs> but, but, um, uh, anyway, as he's seeking certain models or certain ones, he can go through those packs. No, 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 no. He knows what he's seeking. He knows what he's focused on. He's passionate about it. It's not like homework where I have to tell him, hey, could you get that done? No, he's into it, right? There, there is a, a desire in his heart that he is seeking after. So it's, it's a pleasure to watch him look because he knows. But while I was watching him do that yesterday, I realized there are things in our lives that we are like that with, where we will stand in line, we will be inconvenienced, we will trudge through the snow, we will fight the storm of the century, <laughs> that happened the other day, we'll do all those things, and then we'll not, we, we somehow it's all worth it, because we know we are defined, we understand what we're seeking. What do you seek? You know, I, I began to realize as I talked to more and more people, that's not a word we use very often anymore. I mean, that's, you know, if you were writing the Cecil B. DeMille, you know, they'd say, what are you seeking, right? We don't, we don't talk like that anymore. That's not the word we use. We use things like, what do you want? And then it's all in how you say it. You know, it's the, what do you want? And then it's the holler off the deck, what do you want? <laughs> do you, do you, see, you know, the part of you that's like frustrating on what is it now, right? And then there's the, what do you need? That earnest, what do you need? 
And then there's the what do you desire. They're all different, you know. Often, very different. What do you desire? And then what do you value? That changes. All of those, you can have different answers to every one of those questions. But have you found what you are looking for? Do you find that maybe you, you feel like you're frustrated or disappointed in your search? As you're searching for what you need, what you desire, what you value, for someone to value you. As you're searching for those things, are you frustrated or disappointed in your search? There are millions of websites offering the key to finding whatever you're seeking. Yesterday I typed in key to happiness. 19,473 websites dedicated to telling you how to find happiness. That's yesterday. That's just based on my little search, right? And I said, how to find peace. 29,372. I'm going to tell you how to find peace. Do you really want to know the key to finding what you're looking for, no matter what category? Do you really want to know? I do. Look, I don't ever stand here knowing everything. I stand here in the process of trying to grow and understand, right? Because as life changes, as you get a little older, things change. It was funny, you know, when we went bowling yesterday, we were all laughing. We should have a bucket that we put our blue cross card in on the way in so that we just save some time on the way out, right? Put some Advil, something. But uh, what you're longing for, uh, it is, there's a way to get there. There is an answer. What you are seeking, longing for, needing, trying to find, it's there. But it's three simple words are the answer to that question. Not 19 million websites in one direction and 28 million in another. There are three simple words. Anybody curious? You're like, uh, anybody want to render a guess? No. <laughs> first things first. That's not an angelism. That's Jesus. First things first. Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. Jesus. The scripture uh, is part of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. I know you've probably heard of that. That was Jesus directing us to put our priorities in order by putting God first in our lives. This is what that area where the Sermon on the Mount uh, uh, moment happened with Jesus. This is what it looks like today. So... In, in doing that, can you imagine, we, we have an area down here that's similar as I began to look at it. When you go down to Messick's Point and you get on what we call, call the hill, it, it reminds me a little bit of this, minus the trees, right? But it's that ability to see over to Fox Hill, see the water, see the surrounding communities, right? But in that moment, Jesus, as he was traveling, I want to give you a little bit of background. I don't normally put this much on a slide, but I just want to give you a little background because I don't want to take for granted that you know what was going on on the Sermon on the Mount, though we've heard of it so many times. You see, Jesus was beginning his ministry after being baptized by John. This was in the start of things. He was traveling through Galilee on a, on a mountainside not far from Capernaum. Jesus stopped. And by the way, back there is the Sea of Galilee. 
Jesus stopped to give his longest and most popular sermon, giving this event the name Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' teachings in this message include what's known as the Lord's Prayer and the Beatitudes. The focus of the Sermon on the Mount was how to live a life pleasing to God and the characteristics of Christian discipleship. The sermon served as a radical wake-up call for Christians not to worry, but to live wholeheartedly for God through faith. Not simply through the, the external actions of keeping up the law. Remember where we are. Jesus is just starting his ministry. We have not had the crucifixion. We have not experienced the resurrection. We are still at the point where calves are slaughtered, laws are followed, and the church is telling you how, what you have to do, all the steps to stay in, in relationship with God. Jesus used this passage to teach us how to live with the kingdom of God in mind. The Sermon on the Mount is an invitation to live under grace and experience the blessings and reward from living a Christ-like life. What I'm telling you is what he was saying was very different from what everyone had heard up to this point. Everyone was, there were the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the guys in the robes and the hats. And they had... They had their hand on the pulse of what was necessary in the temple and what wasn't and who could go and who couldn't and how far you could go in and where you had to come out and who could pray and how you pray and when you pray and what you eat and what you don't eat. That was a very controlling mechanism. It wasn't all about hope and grace and peace and love. It was about God will punish you because if you do not do what we're telling you, we, hey, 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 there were, there were uh, frogs and stuff in the water and do you remember all that Old Testament stuff? You know, that, that's where they were coming from. So now here's this guy who's, who's on a hill, and he's preaching. Now, as Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside, and he sat down. And his disciples came to him, and he began to teach. Now, before I get into this, what I'm going to read you is the Beatitudes. I want you just to, I want you to go to sleep. I'm going to wake you up in a minute. I want you to close your eyes for a second. All right, you sit someplace, you're near the water. In this instance, you're on that hill, and there's Galilee in the distance. There's a very gentle breeze. It is a peaceful place to sit and rest. Now, in the middle of that, you've heard that there is this man. There is something different. Signs and wonders and miracles are following. There's something different. And he begins to speak. And what you hear him say is something more different than you've ever heard before. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, the prophets were persecuted before you. All right, now don't go to sleep. Wake up. 
Can you imagine? What's happening here is as Jesus is looking out over the crowd, this is not a text moment. This is not a scripted moment. This is not a moment where he's had a bunch of notes written down somewhere. He's not reading off a sheet. He hasn't pre-planned this. He sat down to rest with a beautiful view and a gentle breeze and crowds growing around him. And just as he looked out over the crowd, he could see poverty. Blessed are the poor. He knew exactly who he was speaking to. As he looked out in his heart, he felt it. Blessed are those who mourn. He could see it. He could see those who were mourning. He could see the meek. He could see the hungry and thirsty. He could see it. He knew that there were people who were merciful. Have you ever looked at somebody and could tell they were a kind soul? He could see it. Blessed are the pure at heart. I believe he was looking at the children. He knew what was coming. Because he knew they will see God. They will live long enough to know what's coming. He knew it. Blessed are the peacemakers. He could see as he looked out over this crowd who was there. And he wanted to encourage each and every one of them. In the middle of this, do you hear him condemning anyone? His heart was for salvation. His heart was for pointing people to God. His heart was for helping prepare a way to love God personally because God cared very much about where you are. See, the church is made up of individuals. Each and every one of us have our own story, our own cross to bear, so to speak. We've all got our own issues. But he wanted to say, I see you. Each and every one of you, I see you. I care for you. Something good is coming. Something good is coming. First things first. This was a part of that, that moment, a sermon on the mount, when he was trying to say, how is all this going to be possible? It's going to be in that first things first. But seek first that kingdom of God. And all these other things are coming. Seek first what God can provide. And all these things are coming. If you're sick, seek first. If you're tired, seek first. If you're sad, seek first. There is a comfort that God will provide that you don't know about. And I want you to know, in seeking first, there's, there's a Hebrew word for that, and there it is, all right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to offend anybody, but there it is. All right. It means the scriptural version of seeking means to seek with pleasure or delight. In your seeking, you are excited in your seeking because you know what is the result. The result of your seeking is going to be peace, love, patience, kindness. You're beginning to realize the, the result of my seeking is the fulfillment of what I'm seeking, whatever that is. Seeking first is not pointless, frantic activity. It is not busyness. It is not, do you know that some of the most powerful seeking is sitting still? It is actively pursuing direction through prayer and relationship with God. When you take a moment to stop what you think you need to be doing and start consulting God on what you actually need to be doing, that's not lazy, that's seeking. But we have been lulled into this sense of urgency and doing. We've got to always be doing something. It has to be obvious what we're doing. 
had somebody tell me this morning, hey, I haven't been able to do all the things I normally do, but I've been praying for everyone. Hello, that is the most powerful thing you can do. Because as you seek the kingdom of God first, all of those things can be added unto others. Two or more gathered agree in anything, it shall be done. That's a God thing, not an us thing. What God is getting at is he wants us to acknowledge him first. Because if he created the heaven and the earth, I'm standing on earth right now. So he probably took it from the start, right? He's got it done. I'm here. Breathing in and out is not something I do. It's something God gave me the gift to do until he tells me not to do it anymore. Right? I, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but there's not a moment of your day that does not have a fingerprint of God on it. But there are decisions that we make throughout the day that do not seek. Seeking first the kingdom of God. That means seeking, asking, acknowledging, consulting. Before you do something, before you decide something, before you react. It's a whole lot harder after. Because then you seek, and then that's going to have to be followed by apology and undoing and extra fees. And yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like somebody said the other day, this is a very simple thing. Says she went to go pay her taxes. She knew she was going to have to make some copies or something. She said something. She prayed before she left. She said, okay, Lord, you know, just help me to get this done. Very worried about that whole process. And the Lord told her, take a dollar. And she was like, I don't have any change. That's just me talking to myself. I don't need 7-Eleven. Well, when she got there, it was a dollar for the copies, and she didn't have it. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? It is a very sometimes simple, hey, I'm trying to make your life a little easier. Thank you for talking to me today and for consulting with me. Take a dollar with you. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's in those st little, still, small moments where you begin to realize God cares about the details. He cares about all of it. Listening, waiting, following, doing as directed. Now I'm going to really get on your nerves. Seek first. Before posting, before tweeting, before texting, and before you hit send on that email. I'm going to take you one step further. Take the two out of your email, type what you're thinking, delete it, and then, all right, here's how God would have me respond. Because it never fails. You put that two in there and you accidentally hit send, and now you're going back to the beginning of, oh, Lord, help me fix it. Shouldn't have said that. I got one of those this week. An email came and it was somebody sent me something. Oh, I want this, that, and the other thing, which was a major expense and a major change in schedule. And, and you know how you can feel it? It's coming. Ooh, it's about to just, right? And so you're in, my initial response was, that's not in our contract. That's not what we're going to need to do. That's not what we agreed to, right? I could feel it. Woo, she's coming. I was, I was good. I took the two out, but I was saying what I thought. And then as I was sitting there, I was like, God, what do you want me to do? Genuinely. I said, what do you want me to do? Delete. Because we want that satisfaction of doing and being justified. And I'm right, see? Right? We, we seek that sometimes. And I said, all right. So I deleted it. And I went and got a cup of coffee. I hear, ooh. Because you know how you, your computer will always let you know when somebody has something to say, right? It'll, it'll work. it let you know. And so I go to look, and there it was. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was in the, not in the contract. We'll pay extra for that. <sighs> Can you imagine how I sent? That first email, 
Lord have mercy, I'd have kicked that bus right off the cliff. <laughs> We'd have been, but, the, but the point is, sometimes we need, before the simplest things in the day, God cares what you say, he cares what you text, he cares what you tweet, he cares what you say in an email. You're not excused from consulting with God on those day-to-day -day administrative tasks. God wants to help you. He wants you to listen, to wait when necessary, and following doing directions. There's an older lady who was a missionary that I talked to once or twice a week. She was out at YWAM, and I was talking to her about this the other day, and she's, you know, sometimes you hear wisdom in just strange ways, and she said, well, well, Angel, all you really have to do is the last thing God told you to do. And I said, well, what do you mean? She says, well, if you do the last thing he told you to do, You'll, be, you'll feel so good about listening. You'll see the benefit of doing it that you'll be ready for the next thing. But that there is a progress that happens if you ignore, ignore, ignore. It gets harder and harder and harder to hear. I see it as a parent. You know, when, you're, uh, when your kid is little and they're making a lot of noise or whatever, do you notice how all of a sudden you begin to tune things out? And then other people come into your environment and they're like, whoo, it's loud in here. And you're like, what are you talking about? That's the, you know, I remember we used to have some little thing, uh, the wheels on the bus go around and around, but it was one of those things where when you push it, it would not stop. It had to finish the song, right? <laughs> and of course, it was 16 screws on the back so you couldn't take out the battery, you know what I'm saying? But as, as we got less and less uh, 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 sensitive to it, it you, the, more, the less you reacted. So all of a sudden, you know, as you're praying, you go, Lord, I need you to talk to me. And you talk yourself out of things. I've told you this many times. I was sitting at an intersection right up there on 134. I was in a Pontiac Fiero, which we all know is the safest car to own, right? All right, so I'm sitting in a Pontiac Fiero. And as I'm sitting there and the light is turning green and I'm first, and I was typically at that season in my life, you know, it was like we were playing Langley Speedway, right? First off the line. All right, so, um, but I felt the Lord say, stop which caused me to pull up. I'm glad I listened because a dump truck full of stuff ran the light. So the Fiero versus dump truck, I would not be here. But in those moments where you listen, you begin to see how God can change things. But you've got to tune your ear to listen. You've got to be willing to listen. You've got to be willing to take the risk of reacting or not reacting based on what you're hearing. I'm not talking about this audible voice, Cecil B. DeBille moment on the top of the mountain. I am talking about right here, that still small voice. You know, you know her is what I call it. That little party of this, mm, I better not do that. You know her. The word seek is found in 219 verses in 57 chapters and 42 books. Why do I point that stuff out? Because when you know how important it is in the language used at that time, you begin to understand seeking wasn't a one-time thing. It was a constant. No matter what the situation, no matter what the chaos, no matter the, what the tragedy or triumph, there was always a call to seek. And it never changed where you were supposed to seek. Every instance, it's a redirection to seek ye first the kingdom of God. It wasn't, didn't matter if you were getting chased out of Israel. It didn't matter if you were coming off the mountain. It didn't matter if you were crossing through the sea. It was a constant seek. And then Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount redirected you once again. Seek. Seek what? 
First, the kingdom of God. There's a reestablishing of the control and the, over all the resources, the control over the opportunities that you could have in your life, that if you could relinquish some of what you think you got under control to God, you will see things happen you never dreamed of. Seek God and you will find him. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. It's a guarantee. It's not an if, it's not a maybe, it's not if you're good enough, it's not if you, you know, stop everything, get it all right today. No, right this moment. If you seek God, you'll find him. If you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Wow, that's deep. All your heart and soul? They're trying to say, look, all those emotional burdens you carry, got it. All that heart guilt, all that fret, got it. All that worry, got you covered. You don't have to question whether I will find you. You seek me, I'm there. Seek God with all your being. You're, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. There is a comparison there to that physical need. Things are hard. Waters, the drought has happened. The food's dried up. I don't know where the milk's coming. The baby's crying. They're saying, hey, I'm at a deep point of need. But you, God, are my God, so I'm seeking you because you said if I seek you, I will find. So I'm seeking. Did you know it's okay when you pray and you get with God to get passionate with him? He loves to know you know his word. He loves to know you care enough to understand his promises. And he always keeps his promises. So when you pray, you say, God, look, this is rough, but I'm seeking you. I'm not going to tell you how to fix it. I'm not going to give you the solution I want. I'm seeking you because you want better for me than I do. So I'm seeking. That's hard to do, folks. Because when we get on our knees to pray, often many of the people that I speak to weekly... They don't hit the knees until it gets awful. They don't talk to God until they're in a terrible situation. They don't call you until they're in the emergency room. There are certain numbers that come up on my phone that are people that I haven't heard from in years, but the minute it shows up, I know. That's, that's a Jesus call coming now. Because they're not calling to see how I'm doing if we're going to cook tater tots. They're not quite, no. It's, hey, we're in the emergency room. Hey, there was a bad accident. Hey, this last week, hey, my son's in jail. And you go, okay, all right, here we go. Now, I can have an Angela moment and go, well, I haven't heard from you in 10 years. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm doing good. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I said, well, let me check with Nicholas. Who's Nicholas? Oh, that's my son. You have a son? See what I'm saying? So it's less about you worrying about, well, hey, is this an even exchange here? No, they're seeking. But what's interesting is if you know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, and people begin to seek who do not know him, they will go to the closest representation and phone number they have because they don't know this. Are you prepared for that? Because your selfishness needs to go out the door. I need to not be offended that they didn't know I had a son. I need to not be offended they haven't ever been to my house. I need to not be offended that they have never called me once. I need to not be offended. I need to be willing when they call and I hear that, oh boy, I'm a, I'm a part of the process. Here we go. I am part of that direction-seeking moment where I can go, hey, love to help you, but 
Let's pray. Because, you know, I, look, I can pick up a cheeseburger. I won't cook you one because I don't want to kill you. But I'll pick up a cheeseburger. I can bring you a snack. But, boy, you want peace that surpasses understanding? I know somebody you need to know. You do, too. You have direct access. If you seek wisdom and ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, without judging, without criticizing, condemning, or complaining, it will be given to you. Do you seek wisdom in any area of your life? That's one of my favorite scriptures because it says, hey, if you seek it, I'll give it to you. And you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is that piece of information that defies your logic, gets out of your emotional what you want mechanism, and gets into the best decision possible. So a lot of people say, oh, I seek wisdom. Wisdom often comes with the price of a pinch point because it may not be what you want to do, but it is the best thing you could do. Have you ever known anybody that did what they wanted to do, and then they come back later and say, shouldn't have done that, right? I had a friend once, he was changing the tire on the car, wanted to make sure everything was all right, make sure it's all right, so he put you know, like three lug nuts instead of eight. I think it had some massive amount of lug nuts on it. Anyway, he goes to drive off, I get a call a little while later, can you call a tow truck? What's the matter? Tire fell off. Well, duh, is my immediate response. And there was a reason there was that needed eight. But you see what I mean? We, we make our own decision. It was not a wise moment. It wasn't a, the best decision possible. But sometimes we make those decisions because we're in a hurry. We got we to get it done. We got to make sure it's all right. Okay, we're good. Don't need to do it right. Just need to get it over with. Ever felt that? We were laughing this morning about, yay, my mailbox needed one. Uh, somebody said, my mailbox needs one screw. It's leaning. And one of the guys in the back was said, duct tape. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the get her done. The get her done. First things first, but seek first the kingdom of God. We get hung up sometimes on that, the kingdom of God. You are safe in his kingdom. You know Jesus is Lord and personal Savior? You are safe in the kingdom. If you don't, you have the option to be safe in the kingdom. The lions will grow weak and hungry. Okay? Lions always represent that menacing, fierce, sneak up on you, eat you component. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Meaning the mighty, the one that appears to be all large and in charge and in control. Without God, they will fall short, but with him you won't. Amen. First things first. All of these things. Ask, and it will be given to you. We're talking about all, right? Now, in the ask and it will be given to you, does it to put something there that narrows what you ask for? No. It's powerful. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone, everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door is open. Why? Because you sought the kingdom of God first. You're asking him, Lord, is this where I need to go? God, I really need some help here. God, I'm sick. Help me feel better. God, hello? Finances are tight. Can I have some help? Knocking. You're knocking with your prayers. You are knocking with your seeking. You are knocking. And what does it say? That will be open to you. He's not going to ignore your knocking. Good things are coming. I hear people all the time say, wow, all these preachers preaching this prosperity stuff and all that stuff. Look, the Sermon on the Mount said, good
good things are coming that came out of Jesus. So I'm going with that. So it says here, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. What does good look like to you? The Lord is good to me. I have a son. The Lord is good to you. What is it? What is that blessing that God has put in your life that you may have just forgotten about because it's been a while? But look, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Do you hope he's going to heal you? Do you hope he's going to take away your grief? Do you hope that he is going to lift you up? Do you hope that he's going to fill your bank account? Do you hope he's going to take away the pain of loss? Yes. 